0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 24th of March, 2019. I hope you're still all ticking along okay and surviving the massive changes are are underway. Because it's in the air, you feel it. I always go by the observations of authors down through time, basically. And some of them, like H.G. Wells, the work for the big system, of course, he did say that... Uh, when World War Two was coming along, they said it was in the air. You could feel it. Everybody could feel it. And you get these senses of change. It's almost like you suspect there's whispering going on somewhere. Or you, might sus- you, you don't hear it, but you suspect it's around you somewhere. It's almost like that kind of feeling you get when the big changes are happening. Because we move through life now in planned stages. And these stages are really, really, incredibly well planned. Getting back to the old revolutionary ideas of of Albert Pike, and he said they never start a premature revolution. You got to prepare the groundwork. You got to get everything in, in uh, planned out. You get all the the different contacts, people involved, and and support of all kinds, all done beforehand before you'd even start the first move. And uh, it's quite something when you when you go into <laughs> The characters down through time They're all connected Because Pike supposedly trained Mazzini For the World Revolutionary Party And Mazzini was a good friend Of the mother of Bertrand Russell That's something, eh? She had a lot of these people as visitors to her home often It's just astonishing how, how they all It's like a small world in some ways, isn't it? With, with perpetual forms of revolution. But getting back to what I was going to say, actually, was this things in the air. We, we, we do see the big, ch- massive changes, but they come in, in chunks, in a sense, almost in chunks, planned chunks. And you, you suddenly notice things that maybe you should have noticed over the past few months or a year or whatever, but you'll suddenly see them in front of you. And you'll, you'll see the memes, of course, and the themes that are pushed by media, and the media is so centralised today; they all have the same stories, and the same, op- and the stories are just opinions generally, or else they're soap operas. But they all have them at the same time. They've, they've had that for years, of course. But it's a centralised form of media control. Whoever controls the media, of course, controls what you're going to hear every day, or read every day uh, for news. And news, of course, doesn't mean it's the truth. It just means it's information. And you can make up a lot of gibberish and it's still information It may be gibberish information, but it's information Data, in other words I've talked about this before But we're getting more and more and more of it all the time now Because it's like a distraction As opposed to uh, And it is a distraction It's meant to keep you away from looking into what on earth is really going on As we go through these massive changes Well, we're global, we know that, we know we're no more global And we know we've been global for quite a long time and we know that our vote really hasn't counted at all for for I would say my whole lifetime. <laughs> I don't bother voting anyway. But we get clues of it down through time in our own lifetimes too. You get the clues from big players actually that they help shape the culture of where it's going to go. And it's not because they have a crystal ball there that they look into and smoke some pot and start imagining things. They they they're part of teams that help to plan the future. The future you go into the future of societies, and you'll see the incredible funding they get from the same well-established foundations that fund so many armies of non-governmental organisations that even write the curricula for, for different universities and schools and so on through UNESCO. It's astonishing how they're all networked, and there's thousands of organisations. Well funded like a super bureaucracy you might say, across the planet, massive, and I always thought, well, that's really what true socialism is remember it's ruled by councils, and under the, the the utopian type of idea for even Marxism, they would have ruled by councils, Soviet means ruled by councils and it never happened to work out that way in, in the Soviet Union. But behind what they told you they're all about, of course, they had a more totalitarian system which always comes through a centralised governmental system that has to ram its agenda down the throats of everybody. They don't tolerate time. They don't bother with time to condition you. They get done fast with threats and fear and all the rest of it. We've been living through the, the, the most successful form of it for... Before you were born, actually, before you were life, and uh, before you were gleaming your daddy's eye, they say, we've been living through this system. And the system has many different names. It's just the same like, like Winston Churchill when he came out in Parliament and lambasted what he called this group that was, had been running the British Empire for a long time And interfering in its affairs And even promoting different wars and skirmishes in different countries and things like that And what he's referring to was, was the Lord Alfred Milner group Because they used different names even then And it's hard to... to they had a lot of different clubs belonging to it You see, specialised groups But they would keep their own name pretty pretty secretive And so you talk about one, you didn't realize it was connected to all the rest. Interlocking circles, you see. And that's your circle of friends, your circles of acquaintances and circles of clubs, as Professor Quigley talked about too. So you you see, this system runs all sides of things, the dialectic. Some of them, the writers even boast about it. And I've mentioned it before, you can't get change without taking what you want to change. Knowing where you want to take it, so so you create this opposition, and then you have the dialogue between the opposition and what already exists, and then you have uh, your your synthesis, thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis, and from there you go on to the next step. Now that now the synthesis is the problem, and you want to go the next step, so you, so you get opposition to that to change again, and it's rapid change. Some of them called it rapid planned or accelerated evolution. Of everything, society, everything. And it's pretty well been happening your whole life long. Planned that way. To let things happen by themselves in society, it it probably never happened actually. Or if it it did, it would take many many more centuries to to happen that way. We live in a very, very planned and organized society. But as you go into the futurist writings, the credible money that's thrown at them, because they, they have members that are at the tops of so many think tanks of education, psychology, behaviorism, and so on. And, and they all advise your governments across the planet, working together. Uh, they, you can, I can remember, too, that, that, that as was quickly said so many times, that they're often mistaken. His group that he belonged to, the CFR, World Institute for International Affairs, they were o- often c- confused with communists, and, and called communists, but he said that, that it's because their goals are so similar to it. it. It's a planned form of socialist control, a scientific socialism, it, it, it's better to call it that. The, the step that the Soviet system never quite could get to, Scientific Socialism, the kind really that Aldous Huxley talked about because he realised very, very early on actually uh, that the way it would go with Brave New World, that's why he wrote the book and he thought about that whole thing for many years before he wrote the book in the 1930s, of the planned society where literally everything to do with society, the division of labor and so on, was scientifically managed. Human beings were genetically engineered and born from artificial wombs. All the supposed defects were brought out of them, and defects could be argumentative behavior, for instance, that'd be all removed by selective genes. And of course, they had their perfect blueprint, basically, for subsequent generations once they perfected one. You just clone them, clone them, and so on, and then have them born in test tubes. That was the idea of it, uh, or mixed in test tubes and born in artificial wombs. (laughs) So anyway, here we are, and we look at all this stuff, and I've got so many articles I've saved over many, many years of artificial Starting with artificial insemination of course and Then the gene manipulation many years ago And every government's been involved in this kind of stuff for, for so long That they'll never ever disclose all their works Until for another 50, 100 years Because that's how things are done a 100 years time no one cares And what you'll be in 100 years You'll, you'll have completely no interest in anyway well, You'll be so far beyond here Beyond the now But anyway Actually all this coming And he knew that the division of labor, that's one of the big things you see in a socialist society. Intelligentsia should manage the system. Huxley referred to a dominant minority at the very top of his system in his talks with Mike Wallace and other people. He said that there's always been a dominant minority and he didn't see any reason why it would ever fade away. So you have a dominant minority, but amongst the minorities talking about, you have the money-managed system. In a Brave New World, there's no mention of money or anything like that. There's maybe little extra perks and so on for your status. But everybody was fed, you had your drugs supplied, your soma, uh, to keep you happy. And no one was really bored and um, there's lots, there's nothing you couldn't have and uh, it, it, material-wise. You could have everything, all, your, all toys, fun, everything else, and no one worried about it. So it's, it's pretty well been, been heavily managed. But the thing was, because you were created to be a, a worker of some kind under the, the Alpha Plus type, uh, you, you would still be programmed, basically through genetically programming, uh, for a, a specific function. It's really fascinating to, to see it, because this is an ancient, ancient, ancient idea going way back thousands of years. And the socialist system itself is the same for for those who don't understand it, the perennial philosophy, as they call it, and so on. It, it's the right of those who understand or or those who know, meaning in the groups that, they're, that they've joined, intelligentsia, to that they have the right to rule over the lesser beings. Plato talked about enough a lot. He he came out with his book, The Republic. And in the Republic, he had a stratified society of, of experts, basically, um, who would breed and for themselves. This is the precursor to Brave New World, but it's been a kind of handbook and something they've, they've, they've toyed with for many, many, many centuries. Because Plato said that in, in the, the Republic, they would have a, a guardian class at the top, uh, who would only breed amongst themselves. Uh, and then you'd have uh, ones down below, and you'd even breed your, your soldiers. There would be mixed women and men. Awfully interesting, really. And here we are today with the same thing going on. And there's way more, I think, if they breed at all, they may even get eventually um, grants if they do breed in the military with other people in the military and have offspring. until you have a, a military class. So you had all these different classes, especially bred, uh, in Plato's Republic and how to manage them all, etc, etc. And then you, you jump to today where you have, um, you're have you still living with a brave new world and we're going through it rapidly, rapidly so, with the centralization of, of all the systems. We have our specialized classes that we don't vote for who are going to be more scientifically tyrannical than, than the previous classes, believe it or not. And I, I look at history differently for most people. I see the beauty amongst people themselves in all generations, everywhere, because it's a little moments—a or with a few people in the country or whatever and on a beautiful day—and you see the grass. Go. It's these kind of things that stick in your mind, not not concrete buildings, at least for it is for me. And these things are, are, are just—they're just fantastic. You, you know, they're fantastic. They're, they're very—you could almost put them in the category of being holy because you'll never forget them. You open up to it, to something way beyond yourself. And you don't need a TV to do it, you don't need a computer. You just open your eyes and smell the air and listen to the birds and, and look around. And that's, that's it, you see. But these will stick with you, even if you are dumped in a, in a concrete jungle eventually. And so what they're doing in the managed society, they don't see you as individuals. They really don't. Even though I've got stacks of stuff from them themselves, from the educational departments on on the fact that they admit amongst themselves that they have problems because under the under by by really ramming home and that's what i mean by big leaps forward all the time that you, you suddenly catch on to and it's all around you it's in the air it's actually getting manifested you, you're seeing the, 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 like for instance the huge move for getting children across the planet, all organized, of course, by, by adults, <laughs> to appear on television everywhere. Oh, we demand this and we demand that, and, and sustainability and, and nature and, and, and vegetarianism and, and all these things and so on. And that's all done by adults and special groups that are above them. Of course it is. But it also takes complicity of a media that's centralized as well and probably owned by the same people eventually, at the top. They run all. But it's to convince everybody else who's an observer, the passive observer, that this seems natural. And well, if they all agree, but well, maybe it should be that way, you see. It's so easy to do, isn't it? So easy to do. When when they can show you anything, tell you what to think about it, and then you come to the conclusion that's already been designed for you to come to. Marketers have professionals and behaviorists uh, and psychologists working with them in, in linguistics who know exactly, in psycholinguistics, they can take you exactly Lead you through step by step Through a little conversation Until you'll definitely, definitely arrive At the conclusion they want you to have Maybe even for life But no one You see, if you're a truly free society You'd be taught this very thing And you'd be taught to be awfully wary Of all stuff out there And to question everything That would be a free society That would be freeing up the individual Truly, wouldn't it? So you don't fall for everything Huxley said it himself that there are techniques of persuasion being used, there are sciences he's talking about. He said we could persuade people to do things that possibly it would be unwise for them to accept if they hadn't really understood it, you see. So we're going in, we're in basically that system already. You can't listen to a lecture today on history in any country. That doesn't have the same, the same uh, persuasive techniques of making everybody in every country guilty for things they never did. And maybe more in some countries, because that's a technique now. In every profession, people will sell out to keep their jobs. and, and, and But then they, they become a change agent. You're a change agent when you're not teaching uh, science anymore. You're actually doing social engineering And making people feel guilty about things Is definitely social engineering It's so top heavy with this You couldn't get up in in the ranks of anything In a taxpayer funded system That's the key to it really too This supermassive bureaucracy A a real Soviet living on the taxpayer Living awfully well off the taxpayer All these different professions Uh, And managing us all uh, you couldn't get that, You'd get up there if you had any opinions contrary to, to literally the religion of socialism. That this new scientific socialism, that they have the right to tell people what to do, what to think, what to say, what not to say, what to even see. That's where, where it is already. And it's so sad that, to see if people cave in. It doesn't surprise me, I've seen people cave in before. I've seen in whistleblower uh, situations where people will back off. Uh, people that you know Because they're terrified of losing their jobs And you become a leper Until you're, you're, you're exonerated and, and then you're a hero for a little while Then they're all around you But they would never come near you To back you up at the time that, That's human nature, you see Understand it, understand what fear is Fear is a terrible thing And power has always used fear on the people. Always, it's hor- the past is a horror show, as far as I'm concerned. For most of it, not all of us. The occasional moments when, in a country, whatever it happens to be, they're fantastic. But the rest of it, when you look down through history, it's a horror show, absolute horror show. At least it was in Britain for me. And it was just that particular age group. And ten years later, the system changed again into the the, the kinder system, as they called it. And then, I think in the 1980s, they started giving credit cards out for the first time amongst the people And they could start buying things they could never get before But up until then, it was just austerity Right through from, really, World War I right through And I think before World War I too, the people really didn't have much They still had poor houses, you know uh, They didn't have a welfare system and they had the free-trade system going by the same people <laughs> mm-hmm. but Meaning clubs and agencies, later on, for international affairs Before they called themselves that, of course But they had the same, it was the same group with free-trade and, 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 of course, the people in it all were members of big corporations That happened to profit awfully well off free-trade And they helped plan society and the whole future of the world Right to the present time Again, going back to Plato division of labor and then you get into Brave New World where you literally have it's beyond Marxism you, you literally have the creation of the types of humans for each each type of labor until you have the ones at the very bottom that aren't too bright at all, bred that way especially for the for menial tasks and repetitive boring tasks so we're in it we are in it and but when you read academia uh, through their papers and, and lectures and so on it's so in your face there's no there's no hiding it at all really and because it's all 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 the terms you' you're, you're hearing sustainability, global warming, and then climate change and all the other things are brought into it uh, overpopulation is there's right out there they're saying it all now, seeing it all and the borderless society etc., to take the heat off the countries that are, that are, I mean, heat overpopulation of the countries that are flooding out. They say that forty percent of the world's food supply, so they say, will have to be used for Africa, the whole of Africa, in a few years' time. All these scary scenarios, you see. So the borderless world planned. No one got to vote on it. It it just happened. Like it was like a, it was like a page turning, wasn't it? And then you're wondering, why mass migration? But no one says this is to change. Well, from officialdom, from, from government, as no one has said it's to change the whole system. The whole system changes. It's a new system we're in, obviously. And I mean, we are all in it. It is global. And it won't be given preference of any kind to, to any group eventually as they flatten everything out down, down through the years. But, it, but it's planned that way. It was planned before I was born. And that's the key to it. They needed world wars. They said that. well said it, that they needed the big wars to make nations give up their sovereignty. They said that. And then after World War One. He went on a roll, he, he, he boasted about the League of Nations and he says, oh, this is so wonderful. Now bureaucrats and, and departments in Britain and France and so on and all the countries can all talk to each other and bypass the politicians. So, so the bureaucrats could all run the whole planet and the politicians would be eventually phased out. That was the idea of it. And when it didn't, when folk weren't quite ready to give up their sovereignty, he said, we need another war. Another world, and they got it. So, you've got to understand, there, are, there have been people, for generations, at the very least, probably even older, but for generations, who, who've planned this, they're often mistaken for communists. And they'll work with communists, as, uh, again, Carl Quigley said. As long as they're on the same agenda, same role, the same general role, they'll go along with it all and they'll work for it. So all sides are controlled, as I say, by the same capstone, it seems. But it's astonishing to see it all manifest openly in writing and what they're teaching them in universities and all specialized departments. Right down to psychology departments where they talk about the necessity of accepting a form of of difference between individuals, they don't want to see you as individual. You're you're lumped into IQ levels, basically, and socio-economic status, etc. That's how they've lumped us all in, categorizes through polls and God knows what else, all through your life, from the day that you go to kindergarten all the way to you know through your life. The, the data on you is extraordinary and terrifying, really. But now they're realizing, because to get all this agenda through amongst the, the who's the heaviest targeted group in globalism at the moment with sustainability and global warming, climate change, and the death of millions of species, blah, 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 of animals and plants, all that propaganda. Who has been targeted? Because they have to be the future, the children. So in academia, they're admitting they have to treat it a bit differently with the children. Because the one thing they didn't figure out When they're indoctrinating all the children To be a future generation That will never question global warming Or sustainability or climate change or anything Is that their hope And the destruction of religion, by the way In the Western countries Definitely, for the traditional Religion's gone Eventually, I guess, they'll catch on to other ones too It'll take all of time, but that's what they plan But what they've got is nihilism now it didn't count on nihilism. Being, they thought all the electronic gadgetry and, and, and the transfiction and addiction to cell phones and, and, and tablets, etc. would keep them going. But they found out there's nihilism now with all the bad news of the future. Oh my God, overpopulation and everyone's dying and all that nonsense, which it isn't, you know. And then you, you, you find that, yeah, you got nihilism and depression amongst children now and suicides. So they're coming out with all kinds of strategies under various categories, and one of them's called hope. Try and get, instill hope along with the propaganda uh, to keep the children going, so they'll grow up without being totally nihilistic. And they themselves, by the way, once once you give them reasons that oh, almost like a religion, we'll overcome, we can overcome all these problems. But remember that humans are the the, the heart of the problem. Well, I tell you, I can see they'd be utterly ruthless, those children, when they grow up, if they're given this kind of hope, (laughs) because it'll be a religion to them. And they'll be ruthless to anyone who doesn't tolerate the propaganda. It's it's already in the air again in this day and age, as we know. It's way past the point of dissuasion, as far as I'm concerned, because most of the public have never even been informed that this has even been going on, this this big war-type propaganda battle by a very old agenda, Every really, and I can see different sides of it to understand why so many people after world wars jumped on the bandwagon like Perton Russell or, or on his side, to ban war, because, because the, the incredible destruction, incredible destruction of human life and everything and resources for, 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 for mass slaughter um, is beyond comprehension, really. And it does make you wonder, why on earth would they go on so long? Uh, they, they, they definitely had, they could have stopped the World War I very quickly, actually. They could have avoided it, in fact. And even the overtures to, to end it within about a year were all ignored. All ignored. And, and then after World War II, same thing. And Britain was, was, had rationing, official rationing, with ration cards right up into the 1950s, 1953 or four, it was. And then after that, they didn't have the money, after all massive taxation for the debt, to even buy uh, decent food or anything. So that whole generation born in that time period, uh, I've got all kinds of health problems, and then their children too. The next generation are, are taller and a bit healthier looking, but the ones went through, like rationing from World War One right through, the Great Depression. Into World War II and beyond All suffered incredibly This is all part of a big agenda A big agenda And, and so, are the, 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 so is the slaughtering of people across the planet A big agenda So don't be fooled, for goodness sake By the wonders that all come out once make peace on the planet At what cost? They, they went into Gulf War one remember And they plundered the oil fields the same people that sit on the big boards of these big agencies I'm talking about, as CEOs and top contractors, etc. There's always another side of whatever you're fed. Always. And most folk never think of flipping it over to see it. But as I say, uh, when I go into these different groups, basically they're getting so heavily funded for behaviorism and psychology, It's terrifying to look at this one after. It isn't just papers one after the other by so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. It's the study groups and the think tanks they end up belonging to and working with with governmental departments and faculties. And again, the strange phenomena, which again came out of the same group, Royal Institute for International Affairs, the World Bank, the, the Bank for International Settlements, the IMF, and all the other power structures we have across the planet, uh, all the central banking system, and technocrats of course, from technocracy that are appointed over everything. This this is what technocracy really was it to be about, appointing people over social control systems. And money is a social control system, and the lack of it is too. <laughs> you so, You soon realize that, don't you, when you don't have any but uh, it's also a tremendous Power policy because those who lend The money can deny it In any country across the world When, when Even if they're starving Or in famine or whatever they can, It can be denied unless they accept Specific social policies That are mandated To them along with the loan It's power Isn't it? It's all power But uh, again That's what uh, George Orwell knew He was a uh, he fought on the socialist side in, in, uh, in, in the Spanish War, and he caught on the, 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 what they thought what the brothers that they had, because the propaganda in Britain was awfully good. Their brothers were the communists that were coming in, and when he realized what the communists were really like, he, eventually he was hunted, and he got out just in time, because there was, there was assassinating uh, competition. They didn't want to what they call British-type socialism. They wanted their own communism running the, the world, basically. That's the idea behind it at the time. So he escaped it, but he, he understood the dangers of even socialism. And when he got back and, and told them what was happening in the socialist clubs in Britain, they turned their back on him. He'd been a hero beforehand, and now they turned their back, because he, because he, he, he literally showed a different side of it than had been informed to the public. And they really didn't like that, and they also complained. They even write. In, you find so many academic writings about Blair, Orwell, and Huxley, too in universities because they're always churning out more philosophers or whatever Obviously, happens to be or different uh, world manager types, really, who all do their little papers on the, these people of the past, and they're forever, ever breaking down the enigma of Orwell because. Because he wouldn't go along with the sexual, the, the, the open sexual new morality of the socialism that they wanted, the abandon the old idea that that issue was about what was free love everywhere, and the state would take care of the problems. But uh, Orwell wasn't for that. He still had uh, clung to a traditional form of, of, of having a mate and family and all that kind of stuff. So they thought that was just terrible. In other words, he wasn't a true socialist or he would be the same, you see that's what they thought. So they try to pick and, and, and pick and pick if you just don't conform completely to what they want. It's, it's never changed. But you'll find the same. You, you don't need the, the terms, even in academia, of people saying they're a socialist. You, you can tell by the fact that going along with it, all the whole world agenda is to be controlled by experts. And they decide what an expert is. And they can also con- decide what a problem is to have the experts. Yeah, well, it's a we need experts for this problem. So they create what, or they say they create the problems, and that's it. And it's just too easy to, to propagandize their agenda without ever explaining to the public uh, the other side. There's always a side of, of everything, another side of it. like like climate change. Obviously. And climate change, they have said over and over, is is their excuse they, they, they jumped on, basically, to, to force the public to accept the need for them to be in charge of it, the specialists to be in charge of it all, and give up all of rights and freedoms. It's fascinating, really. But see, it's scary. And meanwhile, what you're given is an antidote to all. It's just, just the propaganda from the media. That's not an antidote to anything. It's gossip. If folk haven't figured out that this incredible farce in Britain with Brexit is literally a soap opera for the public, Will she, will she leave, won't she leave Will she leave, won't she leave back and forth, back and forth. For, for, for how many years now And it's still going on And then you have Donald Trump Did he with Russia Did he not collude But back for forth, for For what, two years now What a soap, what a soap And I know that there will be a, a massive the, the final push A push for sure Because they want to get into A few enemies left in the Middle East there and they've been building up uh, the, the the soldiers and reserves and so on, and quietly training and quietly training and, and strategizing, etc. Of course, it has been. They've been doing that because he promised he'd do that. He'd get rid of all. But the thing is, you're getting a soap, opera. we? are getting an incredible soap opera that you can't believe. You hope you don't you believe it. Do you really believe that he took his cell phone away once because he kept tweeting? Do you really believe this rubbish? Do you? He doesn't even do his own tweets. None of them, they're not sitting hooked to the phone like the rest of the population, like the children. Anyway, we're being managed awfully well now. But in academia, it's fascinating to see how each department, each topic is now sanitized in certain ways. And often, even the good stuff is taken out, the decent stuff is taken out and padded with stuff to make people dislike other people. It really is. It's weaponized. Getting the truth today is like what George Orwell said. Even speaking the truth, it can be taken as, as an act of, of of treason. It really can. He said something, just to paraphrase something like, to to say the truth in a time of universal deceit is akin to could be taken as or akin to treason, basically, by the state. And we're pretty well there now. You can see the intolerance if you simply question, you just ask a simple, naive question without an opinion behind it. You want to know something, you ask a question, you, you actually sense that you're not supposed to go there by an angry type of. It's something like school teacher techniques that you maybe remember from, from your early schooling, your primary schooling, because that's how they would be at times. You'd be quite naive about things, and if you didn't want to ask questions in a certain area, it was a hostile face, and a a grimace they'd put on at times. You understand why adults would act to children that way, but why would adults act towards adults that way too? Uh, That doesn't bode well. It really doesn't. Because, as I say, fear can motivate people who want to keep their jobs and who, who will be placed over you. Fear can motivate them to be really nasty to you. Really. As I say, it's just like whistleblowers. will desert you. Uh, all your friends, if you're right. And if there's any threats come from whatever force it is. They'll desert you. It's a fear-terror technique. Used by authorities down through the many centuries. Many centuries. You know that in, in Britain. St. Scotland, for instance. As an example. They had these dingy prisons. Digi- and you could be locked up in prison for anything at all really. You had, you're in a system where they already had monopoly power for, for merchants. Everything that people needed went through the merchants. The merchants would, eat, would also be town mayors or city mayors and they would give out licenses for even selling and retailing stuff. Uh, they controlled everything. For those who don't understand, the ministers and, and uh, they, would, they would appoint the ministers, their own ministers, to the local churches to keep the people uh, behaving themselves. For instance, that's if they're getting a bit restless or, or too many grievances about starving, for instance, everything was so controlled. And they don't they teach it much in the, in the in the history books either. But when they had the Irish famine on the go, or in the same period. And they're clearing, already clearing It wasn't just the highlands of Scotland They're clearing the lowlands too You find that An exporting folk across the world But 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 yeah, you, if you were accused of anything A justice of the peace An appointed justice of the peace Would have you condemned for it, basically You're put in a dungeon with no windows Someone would have to Some charity or whatever Would have to find a couple of shillings To get you bread And if you couldn't get that You starved In the prison, you'd starve to death Wait in trial, and then you had a, a, your brief uh, little trial, like the JIP again, and then whatever the sentence was, that was it was just carried out. It was a horrific system. The, the, the guy who was in charge of the jailer type, he got extra fees and bribes for, for feeding the prisoners from passers by relatives and whatever. The hangman, each, each town and city or city had a hangman. And uh, sometimes called the staff man Because he was given a staff for, he, for his power That's what they, his symbol And he would also uh, nail people if, they, if you're a bit deaf You didn't hear some order He could do anything with you He could put a nail through your ear And nail you to, to the wall That That's the cruelty that existed In the 1800s right, right pretty well up to the early 1900s In fact into it actually It, it certainly did so it was a horror show Absolute horror show Most folk had, had very little or no education At all So it was easy for a, a centralized clique of educated To rule things, very simple And live in a very luxurious lifestyle Because see, everything that you needed To survive was monopolized From raw resources up to finished products By, by monopoly powers And in the 1800s They had their weavers Basically they're, they're, they had weavers And small Cottagers uh, that had their livelihood depending on, on, on wool, etc. And then the big boys would import the stuff from other countries and dump it. Because free trade was always being used by the, those who monopolize. And if they get cheap somewhere else, they'll dump it on you and things like that. So everything gets put in business, agriculture, and so on. But when they had the corn wars, too, when folk needed decent food, and they couldn't had no money, hardly any money. They refused to allow it uh, basically into the country at one point, from abroad, from America, that had charitable organizations in the 1800s. The British government would have it stopped because they were getting lobbied by the, the big uh, the merchant bankers. And merchant bankers in those days had colonies across the planet. They exported a lot of the, the prisoners as slaves to Botany Bay in different places. Uh, Guaranteed to die And America's too So crime did pay For those who who run the system They invented lots of crime Like starving And you steal a loaf of bread To feed yourself And there was no compassion Back then And uh, that was just horrible People who were In the same classes of them Were terrified to help them Because it was almost like Contaminated If you were seen with them Then you'd be under The same scrutiny You see There's even a church In Scotland It's a a famous church When they were Clearing people off the land In the 1800s And they had They were replacing it with, with sheep Literally, you know That was part of the, the clearances There was, was a cheviot Sheep that were bred down the borderlands That could withstand the highland the climate So they were just moving folk off and off and off And it's so horrific Because in the, in the highlands They had genocide For for those who don't know it There was genocide Ordered genocide after Culloden 1746 The troops went through the whole of the Highlands and anybody connected to anybody that they claimed was was involved in it, whole families were wiped out, children and all. There's been no inquiry about that ever. And then the rest of them that were left, they used for for the military. They gave them, they let them wear the kilts. They even had uh, a big manufacturer open up in Britain to supply the kilts, by the way, for Scottish regiments, which they created, and they became the shock troops. So the abused end up getting used across the planet to fight other wars that they didn't get anything from. But It's a horror show, absolutely. But what I'm getting to is the fact that people who are terrified won't come to hell. What are you going to do when you see families living in a churchyard whose homes has been burned down to clear them out? And this is a historical record. And even the minute the minister won't let the families into the church to live while well, they find somewhere. But you see, everyone's so terrified. If you help them, then they still had this memory, this recent memory of, of of being classed as a terrorist. And therefore, these people were, they were nothing, they were scum, they had no money, they had blah, 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 no property. And people will condemn them and call them names before they'll come and help them. That's a, that's a fear reaction when people do that. And it's so that they don't get connected with them and possibly that they get their home burned down. You see? Horrific history. Truly horrific. And and people have been used and abused, used and abused right up. Uh, and they're still getting... I mean, the troops today are living in a cocktail of drugs because they can't give them even validation of a just war anymore. And in the past, there had to be a semblance of a reason... For invading and fighting a people uh, But they can't even Really put that across anymore It's just so invalid So they give them all kinds of drugs afterwards When they start to to come to And they're not in it anymore And they try to figure out what it was for And all the, the visions and pictures Are literally engraved in their minds Come back to haunt them Or well, people perhaps Well they never knew them All age groups and so on And how are you going to live with that, eh? That so, so they come up with even, remember the articles a few years ago, they could even put viruses into specific parts of the brain of the troops in the hope to eradicate literally the memory in those particular areas. This is scientific tourney, we're in, we're in Brave New World. We are. And it's not finished, it's, it's going to be a, a long show before it gets anywhere near completion. Technically, it'll never be completed. There's always the next step and next step. And more progress, as I like to call it. And population reduction, of course. But we're not run by what you think are are, are your politicians. Uh, That's kind of obvious when you really, really look into all the, the big global meetings. Like the World Economic Forum. What on earth is the World Economic Forum? Look into its website. It's through there that the, a lot of the funding goes to all these specialized areas of creating tomorrow's leaders in all areas of, of life Well, you are not talk to believe folk just sort of evolve themselves into leadership No they don't, they pick them for all areas And that means they're trained and propagandized perfectly for the one agenda Do they have minds of their own? Nope, they're completely They'll see one, one avenue only and that's all they'll see They're guaranteed They're the closest things you'll get, actually To to a specially designed human being At the moment, perhaps Now I'll rush you a few uh, stories here For those that might tie in, might not tie in But again, I've I've prattled on again I didn't mean to go this far with it all But it's better than just reading off uh, stories, isn't it? But here's one here as an example to, to train you. A few years ago you had children coming forward from school, young children, saying that they would volunteer to be sterilized rather than have children be a problem to Mother Earth, etc. And to, now it's uh, the poll system, awfully interest in the poll system, and they're constantly, constantly checking on all kinds of things in society. I even have all the links to the organizations that are paid massive money to do it all for the universities and for advising governments. But one is called No Thanks Cupid. This is an article, actually. 51% of young Americans are single more than ever before, the survey says. And it says that uh, more than half, 51% of young people in America do not have a steady romantic partner. We've known that since about the 60s, because it was pushed that way. And it says it marks a significant increase since 2004 when 33% of 18- to 35-year-olds reported being single You see how this is done every year, these these studies, over and over and over, you see And and it allows the ones who who are pushing the cultural agenda insight into whether it's working Or where they have to tweak something and so on, according to changing your opinion and your behaviour and so on That's what it's done Anyway, it says, the report, by the, here's an interest, it's where you, want, you go for all these studies, General Social Survey, GSS it's called, General Social Survey. It says, found it was the highest number of unattached people in the age group since the question was first asked in 1986. Actually, they did it long before that for different organizations, not the same group though. But it says, amongst all these groups, they have no steady parter and so on. And the Washington Post uh, says, most people my age aren't married, I just have an outlier of couples in terms of my social group uh, Says one guy This Ford Torney says And the 26 year old said he does not He does want a steady partner But hasn't met the right person yet In the meantime he sometimes feels left out Of his circle or friends and so on And then they have other ones on, on Women what they think about it too And they're the same of course And they call it waithood just waiting, waiting. Always, It's like idiocracy I was waiting for the right one and so on And, and it'll never happen it says, American women who remain unmarried well into their 30s are in good company and part of a growing global trend. See, it's across, this, everything that happens is global and pushed by the same organizations, according to researchers from Indonesia to Egypt and everywhere in between. Anthropologists and other experts, see, experts, Russell said, will train the public to believe in experts and not even think unless I have an expert opinion. But it says, other experts are hearing from women who are delaying marriage for a variety of reasons, including educating and career aspirations and financial hardship and a desire to have more life experience before settling down. And says the result could be shifting the way that humanity thinks about love and commitment. So, the delayed marriage phenomenon is called weighthood, a term coined in 2008 by Diane Singerman, an associate professor at American University in Washington, D.C., and they mentioned, too, the high costs of marriage and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, that's all. It's planned that way, of course. Of course it is. Of course it is. And it's very hard now, of course, to, for for anyone to needs to stay together. The more partners they have, and they know this, they, they've known that so with studies way before they even gave the sexual revolution in the 60s. From previous uh, surveys in, in other countries, like Germany or and, and France, of course in the, the Roaring Twenties, when the, the culture was getting pushed into, they know exactly, the more partners that have, the less that likely to deliver ever settle down with anybody. So there's nothing they don't know, really, or how to even make something happen as well, of course. But they do mention economic reasons, too. And, of course, the economy has been a reason that pushed, even from the, from the United Nations and different departments, UNESCO, that they can always put people off from having children by making it too expensive. So economics is a factor always, you say. But you can also make people want material things instead of having children. If you don't have children, and it's very, I think it's very true. I think, it's, I think everybody's learned that uh, they didn't have children. Marriages tend to fall apart too. It's a binding thing. It's, it's more than just two people. And I think it's what's well, it's nature, isn't it? It is. For humans. Yeah, I had to laugh. I'm with President Trump, signs executive order and free speech at college campuses. I won't even go into that because college campuses have been denying free speech for it's getting worse and worse for the last 30 years, I think. And I'll put up a link to the general social survey to do with what they're up to sociological survey created and regularly collected since 1972 by the National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago. It's funded by the National Science Foundation. You have to connect all these things together because they're all part of the control system for the planet. And GSS collects information and keeps a historical record of the concerns, experiences, attitudes, and practices of residents of the United States. But they do it for across the world too, of course. Yeah, it's quite interesting. But yeah, they've always got to check us and study us. The millennials who refuse to ever get married... Woman 26 and six, She'll never wed her partner And protest at Sexist tradition And brands having children Most selfish thing You can do So there And so they, they push this kind of thing And that will never hurt Relationships won't work here You can just tell it won't It won't It can't They tend to fall apart And there's many reasons And they know at the top Why they fall apart It's not my opinion on it Now a lot of the stuff To do with their food And the altering And the kind of bioengineering Some folks say of the humans, because we're definitely changing physically and shape wise, and everything else is what we're eating. As what is one part of it for sure. And we've had the bisphenol A scandal going on for years and years and years. And then they've changed to bisphenol B, I think now, and they say it's less dangerous and all that stuff. But I don't believe it, it's all the same. And there's all kinds of phytoestrogens and xenoestrogens, etc., that you have intakes of. And these things really work like, like real. Uh, hormones, and even worse than real hormones, because they're, they're synthetic. Basically, a lot of them. Uh, many of the other ones you eat, you, you take two or not. So, I mean, beer's got a lot of uh, hops. For instance, hops is one of the highest things uh, for for artificial for for natural <laughs> substitute for estrogen. For those who don't know, for all you guys that are drinking your beer all the time. Anyway, so weed killers removed from the DIY store shelves after U.S. court rules in cancer link case. Of course, that's Roundup. It won't really matter. It's not really one or anything. They always come back. And Monsanto was bought over, I think it was by Bayer. And uh, so I they now own what was called what was called Roundup uh, series of, of uh, herbicides and so on for, for agriculture. We all knew that for years. Plus, you can't get it out of the ground for years. They found it up in the ground so eight, eight to ten years after it's been applied once. In the same area, it's, it's just incredible But yeah, this is not by accident we're Big Corporations go ahead and just push this stuff on us And here's the odd thing with Monsanto I remember all the articles at the time, reading them all They refuse, remember, to allow any independent investigation Or any other science lab to take the part of their product. that product that, that And the government backed them on it So you, you had to take their word All the studies that were done were by them themselves Oh, it's perfectly fine we we allow that we just have put this we put up with it, don't we? Or oh, we never they never give us any harm us. that we're, we're trained as children. Hmm? But the weed killers removed from the DIY store shelves because U.S. court rules in cancer link cases. I, I don't think they'll actually win it. Do you know they say that? Another thing, too, by the way, is monopoly power. You can't have monopoly. we monopoly. I mean, even any kind of monopoly, even education. Because they'll monopolise opinion until you have no other opinions but what they say. But here's insulin. I know drugs are going to aside different kind of medications. What's behind America's insulin crisis? The price of the drug has increased exponentially, forcing desperate diabetics to ration supplies. How can you ration supplies? They're not. It's not you're overdosing on insulin. You have to be awfully precise about it. If you ration it, you're in trouble. So, politicians and patients demanding urgent action to, to tackle America's growing insulin crisis, which has seen the price of the life saving drug triple over the last 10 years. It's actually worse than the triple, actually, because now it's, it's, it's an incredible monopoly. It's a hormone that people with type 1 diabetes need to survive, invented nearly 100 years ago, and the patent was sold for just $1 so that everyone who, who required the medication could afford it. That's what was initially done. Now retail prices in the U.S. are around the $300 range, according to BBC's uh, Ritu Prasad. Even accounting for inflation, as a price increase of over 1,000 percent. they did the same thing too with the uh, the particular anti-toxic uh, shock drugs that, that people would carry with them. If they got bee stings and so on. Did the same thing too with that. Remember. And the woman gave herself a mass, who had to run the company, who took it over, gave herself a massive pay increase of the misery of others. Isn't that incredible? Really? really? Don't ever think the world's getting kinder, folks. Don't do that. Don't fall. As, as Huxley said, the, the, the techniques of persuasion, to persuade you to do things and accept things that perhaps it wasn't in your best interests to accept. We're so easily fooled, especially today. But anyway, I'll put this article up too. It's just amazing—an article on human beings and and healthcare as they're as they're pushing the next step of it too, digital assistance to provide twenty-four-seven helping hand, etc. And how they're they're tying in technology, Amazon's Alexa and Apple's Siri, using AI to handle routine tasks, and so on. So everything's coming together. Google, of course, is at the top, and their big big uh, building they opened up in London. Some time ago there, they had big surveys out, already granted by the British government to give uh, millions of people's medical records to them for supposed testing on, on, on these new programs. So much for privacy, eh? It sounds wonderful, though. again. Precision medicine to personalised treatment. Sure, sure. It all comes down to cost and what, what is your standing in society. Do they need you? Do they not? That's it. A priest in Montreal was, was stabbed that night there. And it says, um, St. Joseph's oratory stabbing. People will come to pray for Father Gru. A guy just got up, and I won't see who he was, I think, and whipped out a knife and stabbed him twice. And broke, broke the blade, too, in the process, apparently. I, I very much doubt what with, with the massive, massive vitriol and targeting of, of the Catholic Church there'll be any, I I really don't think there'll be anything much said about it at all. It's sad that the decent people, and there's lots and lots of decent people in these churches that are definitely not paedophiles, are all lumped in with with, with the sins of the the few, basically. Isn't it? It's tragic, that. But again, the Catholic Church has been a target of, uh, of this socialist system. It's astonishing to me, actually, when you realize the complexity of even the, the top revolutionaries, like, like Orwell, who, who literally had a hatred, absolute hatred, of the Catholic Church. And, of course, in the true socialist doctrine, they want elimination, eventually, of all religions, except the, the, their own religion, which is their socialism. Their, their pure reason and humanism will we'll run the show. But uh, without the spiritual aspects, to say the children end up getting depressed, nihilistic, and uh, suicidal. Hmm? They always forget that. Uh, Aldous Huxley himself was all part of it too, and he was a, a, nothing but rational, etc. He had a few experiences himself that he couldn't help. If you get kind of what's what sometimes termed as a spiritual experience of some kind, outside your, your control, or even desire you have to question what the heck happened and what was it for. And If you weren't taking drugs or anything, you didn't have some kind of hallucination, especially if it was meaningful, for instance, and purposeful, then uh, it's going to change you. A tremendous change. Bertrand Russell, who again uh, was an advocate for pure reason, eliminate religion, they saw it as a poison, of course, because it, it, people who obey a deity are a problem to government. Help oh, you understand that. It's a power thing, and I think it was H.G. Wells said it better. He said that uh, he said the family unit is, is a, a small tribe. People will stand up around an individual when the government's after them and defend them. He said they want to eliminate the family so as the government can talk right down to you personally when they're when they want to and do whatever they want to you, and no one's around you to help you. Again, terrify everyone around you, and you're deserted, right? He was quite blatant about it, and so was Bertrand Shaw. You find that all socialist doctrines of totalitarianism want that to eliminate the family unit, and they want that to eliminate religion because religion uh, makes people, it gives them, a, 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 it's like the big idea that Matsu Tung talked about. He's terrified of a big idea, nothing else. Uh, religion, it, it, people will die for religion. They'll die for it, or they'll become martyrs for it. Like the Covenanters, they had in Scotland too, when they were taken over and they united with with England basically. And you find when Charles was was there, it was mandated that if one can convert to to Anglicanism, instead of the Free Presbyterian Church, and the folk thought that was horrendous because the head of their church was God. They could they could lambast the ministers if they wanted to if the, the guy went off the tracks but because he couldn't take the place of the deity. But here you have a king who, who was the king of the country, temporal, right? And also king of the heavenly. And they wouldn't have that. It was a betrayal. And they didn't have a, you know, they were rounded up, thousands of them, and through in, in, in a place in Edinburgh, Greyfriars friars, churchyard, imprisoned there and slaughtered. They were real martyrs because they, that's where that saying came, you know, there'd be no king but Jesus. That's where that term came from. But, uh, no, they've always been after their elimination because because our religion's a nuisance to them, an awful, awful nuisance to them. When folks say, no way, I'll obey my deity or my laws or my religion. That's how it is. So you can see why they hate it, right? And don't forget that Marxism in itself is a religion, the way it worked out to be anyway, because you need an awful lot of faith to believe in it. Incredible faith. Whenever you read articles that disappear, that, like, teacher says that... uh, she she had to wash the toilets in the school and, and it's underfunded and yadda 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 in Britain again, as an example, but it's all over the world and she goes through this whole thing and it's, it's an article in the paper that led me to it because someone caught on the fact that women belong to a certain organisation that's attached to the union but it, it turns out that, that everything's so incredibly formatted today with, with bureaucracies in the system, isn't it? of propaganda and marketing there's a company, it's called Outlandish, it's called. And it's, a, it's an award-winning campaign. This is the propaganda. They helped change 795,000 votes. It's an award-winning interactive data tool to show how your local schools are being defunded. It's a propaganda thing for the teachers to use. And so they bash the Conservative government for influencing a campaign called F40, the aims of the campaign was to redistribute schools' funding away from overfunded regions. So they they give you a a technique of how to alter the votes and and change perceptions and so on. Everything is... You can't believe it and you read anymore. Anyway, this particular teacher said she was... Oh, my God. It turns out she got a massive pay increase before all this. And she's already getting a a huge sum. And uh, I'll put the articles up for anybody who's really interested in it. But, yeah, Outlander, she's actually a member of this group too, apparently. It's, it's quite something to, to see. Also, the World Economic Forum, this unelected uh, self made group, it calls itself a non governmental organization that funds all kinds of future societies and, and agencies to, to do with psychology, psychiatry, indoctrination, the whole agenda, sustainability, blah, 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 blah. This massive bureaucracy that we most folks are oblivious that even exists. And, cl- and on their own website, you can talk about creating the future world leaders in all different areas. So much for open democracy. Hmm? Okay. So much for that. And all through universities and colleges, you'll find these articles Building Brave New Worlds, Science Fiction and Transition Design. And the terminology is so bureaucratic. If You you know what, if you learn the, bureau- the bureaucraties, everything's bureaucratic ter- terminology. It doesn't matter who's speaking non-government organizations or whatever. It's all socialistic nonsense. It really is. The first thing you do in a pretended science is create a language that most folk can't understand. That's what you do it, right? That's it. This is what all these people do. Once they're in university, once they get a grip on the terminology, they can they can prattle on and, um, and and impress each other with, with and the same stuff. There's no individuality in universities, really, honestly. And that's again what some of the top writers even, even pretend they admire at times and sometimes hate, like Orwell and Huxley. There's no, there's no originality in universities for them. They all part the same. And all their writing papers, they'll quote different. This is by so and so, and, and they'll give blah, 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 somebody's name and the year, blah, 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 or the book, whatever. It's just one after the thing. They can quote, 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 quote. They have no brains of their own. Really, it's astonishing. Astonishing. Scary, actually. It's like robots. And another thing, too, with the whole sustainability thing, too, that all the, the children are getting pushed out to, yeah, we demand a worldwide campaign, yeah, they're, they're doing it all themselves, eh? <laughs> Who's putting the money out, eh? But it says that China, and this is from a couple of years ago, China signs $300 million deal, $300 million to buy lab-grown meat from Israel in a move welcomed by vegans. Because the whole thing there was veganism, they're all pushing it. Again, it's all World Economic Forum and all the rest. Same group, all connected, eh? For many environmental and animal rights group, Lab Meat it seems a positive move away from the slaughter of billions of animals. Well, no, no one will disagree with that. But the fact is, this is big business we're talking about, and it's control. When you give control of your protein uh, to, to a monopoly, and that's what it ends up being, right? Hmm? You're in trouble. So they signed the $300 million a pound deal it was to purchase meat grown in a laboratory in Israel and a drive towards less meat consumption in the country. And that's a point too, is, is reduce, 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 reduce. China has signed the, the, the deal. This is lab meat, also known as cultured or bio meat, is grown in a laboratory using animal cells, making some vegans opposed to the concept, but several environmental and animal rights group have welcomed it as an exciting development. You thought frankenfood was I mean, way beyond that, you know. It's monopoly power. For you who who haven't figured out it's monopoly power. Hmm? Monopoly. It's astonishing. I can't do much in the time I've got, but look into futures, as I say, to do with sustainable futures and the future of societies. It's astonishing what you're going to find. If you're interested at all, it's completely all connected with the sustainability program. Depopulation over the whole planet veganism as you get sicker and sicker. And of course, uh, there's a whole a whole history of veganism there too, how it's pushed and why, etc. I don't even have time to go into all that, but it's a sad thing. It's very, very sad. I, I feel terribly sad when I, when I look at the massive superstructure overlaying society that the public are oblivious even exists. With all those in academia involved and churning out millions a year across the planet, like armies, it it reminds me of the saying that Al Pacino said in in, uh, Devil's Advocate, when he says, how do you think we're taking over this world, he says speaking as a devil he says he says it's through, through through college universities we're churning up it says millions of lawyers, armies of lawyers well now it's armies of all kinds of scientists and psychologists and behaviorists and they all speak the same like robots, same terminology, same buzzwords and so on same in in, in group type language linguistics but they sound almost less human all the time that's actually what it is, isn't it that is. Less human mm. You know if, if you if you were on drugs for a while, you can prescribe drugs for a long time or even a short time in certain ones, but you, you, they, they give them like Ativan and different ones for troops to blunt their emotions and and it can flatten your emotions, so so even if you watch a good movie where' there's a tearful part, you won't feel you won't feel a thing. It won't affect you at all. Uh, they're they're so precise these things for what they actually do, but the public again are oblivious of it. Well, uh, that's what these people who are trained to talk in this this neurolinguistic nonsense. Uh, they they lose part of their humanity. They don't see humanity outside themselves. They see you all as a different species, a different class. They're educated specialists. You see. Controllers. World, seems as world controllers, you don't even speak their language. So they can't communicate to you. They won't even try. They won't try. That's the, ult- the ultimate snobbery of elitism. It's like a doctor, and, and there's lots of doctors out there that, that literally don't have the patience to even attempt to explain properly what's wrong with somebody. They'll tell you, they'll oh, you'll never understand, you know. And they'll dismiss you like a a lesser creature. That's what you have in academia. You you really do. They they think they're on a crusade, and they're on their right. And that's, that's brainwashed into them, by the way. So the scientific tyranny, dictatorship that Bertrand Russell was all for, and he said he was all for it, he said it will be ruthless and horrific and merciless. So it's not a good thing, with all its wonderful goals that it pretends that it's, it's going to do for you. you know, nothing is free, folks. Nothing. Anyway, sorry for babbling on like that. And uh, I had many, many more things I wanted to say, but there's no time. From myself, Alan Watt, from Ontario, Canada, where it's still freezing. And lots of snow out there because of global warming. It's good nights. I mean, your God, or your God's goal with you.